0: All right, welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker and you are listening to episode number 61 of the podcast or you're watching it on YouTube. We're back live on YouTube. It is Sunday, August the 20th, and I'm reunited with my co-host <laughs> who's kind of been on and off the last couple of weeks, uh, mostly because of me and the, <laughs> and the uh, disturbances I've had or the good times I've had with family in town for the past month. Uh, (laughs) I got my studio or spare bedroom back so back in the old studio for those of you watching on YouTube who watch regularly uh, you'll recognize the scenery I suppose so I'm reunited with my co-host all the way from New Jersey Jeff the animal Wilson Jeff how are you doing this Sunday evening my friend Bill I'm good and I am
1: glad to be back it's been so long Uh, but now you know I'm back from vacation Things are starting to settle down a little bit. I'll be a little bit more consistent. Uh, But, dude, it's been all over the place. Everybody has their birthday in August for some reason.
0: Yeah, yeah, a lot of August birthdays. So, good to have you back. Uh, There hasn't been too much going on uh, in terms of MMA news uh, in the past couple of weeks anyway. I think the whole MMA world is kind of focused on this uh, Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather match, which is only six days away from this very moment. Uh, It's going to be on Saturday, August 26th. I guess we'll touch on that a little bit later. I know it's been kind of the elephant in the room on this podcast. I told everybody I would stick to MMA as long as there was MMA news going on. Uh, But, you know, we're only a week out. This is probably the biggest combat sports event of our lifetime, maybe of all time. So, You know, we'll touch on it a little bit. I know, Jeff, we haven't really gotten your opinion on it, so maybe we'll get your thoughts on it towards the end here, but uh, I do want to make MMA the priority, so we'll start off with that. I know you have some topics you want to get into. Right now, I'm getting into (laughs) some uh, Modelo Negra, and uh, you told me... I know you're a fan of Modelo, Jeff, and I'm holding this up for the people watching. So this is like a maltier version of Modelo. It's, It's got like... I use caramel malts, so that kind of gives it like the dark color, which is why it's called negra, which I guess means black in Spanish. So the beer is like kind of a blackish color. I would say more of a dark brown. Um, And it's really tasty. It's kind of of refreshing for a dark beer. And uh, the caramel malts give it a little bit of sweetness, but not too much. You guys know I don't have too much of a sweet tooth. Uh, So it goes super smooth, and it goes great with this. Redemption bourbon I'm drinking. I'm not playing around tonight Jeff. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm double fisting here as we're podcasting. So I got my bourbon and I got my Negra beer here. So Redemption bourbon uh, I bought this uh, just kind of on a whim. It's a, it's a nice smooth bourbon. You can see if you're watching on YouTube you can see it's got like a nice rich brown color to it. Very caramel looking. Uh, it's 42% alcohol by volume, so that's an 84 proof. Most bourbons are usually uh, 80 proof, so it has like slightly more bite than like a Jim Beam, uh, but it has like a real nice smooth finish. It's a little bit spicy, so I'm doing it uh, neat with a little bit of uh, splash of water. Uh, as I'm sure you would, uh, you would enjoy it the same way. Jeff but this is a really nice one Um, I put it like a step below the Buffalo Trace maybe which you and I are both big fans of Uh, so really smooth a little bit of a spicy finish because it's it uses um, a little bit of rye Redemption is actually known for their rye whiskey which rye is a spicier kind of mash so you get that kind of peppery taste to it with the rye, and um, this uses 21 percent rye so it's still technically a bourbon but we don't need to get into the details of that it tastes good so if you want a nice smooth bourbon uh that's something a little different then check this out for sure and it pairs excellent with the Modelo negra so jeff what exactly does Modelo mean is that is that like a a word for something else or is it just the brand name of beer do you know yeah so Modelo means model
1: in spanish which I guess um, the company's going for, you know, we're making like the model Mexican beer. Uh, uh-huh. You know, I guess you could make that But uh, Bill, something that I was sipping on a couple of weeks ago was, uh, you know, how I like IPAs. So yep. one of my good friends' his birthday and mm-hmm. I was in New York. So naturally, I had to have something from the Brooklyn Brewery. So uh-huh. I had, yes. So I had the Brooklyn IPA. That's all. I don't know if that's the, if it's like got a longer name, but that's what the bar was serving. So I had it. I enjoyed it. It was going down smooth. Um, I had a couple of those, and uh, I really enjoyed them. Smooth going down,
0: really hoppy, just an overall enjoyable beer. Awesome, smooth going down, just like a good date. All right, yeah, Brooklyn Brewery. They put out some nice stuff. I'm a big fan of their beer. I used to drink a lot more of it when I was living in the New York, New Jersey area. Uh, but yeah, a little bit harder to come by down here in Florida. But, you know, I got my black model here, so I'm, <laughs> I'm sipping on that. So let's talk about some some fight news. Um, I know you had some topics you wanted to get into. You want to kind of kick things off here?
1: Sure. So, uh, Bill, the last time I was on the show with you, I talked about how Chris Weidman At the time should have been the number one contender and you know it wasn't just me spewing vomit it was uh there was a theory behind this and i was actually gonna write an article about it because um i started writing for uh, an mma site called mmasucka.com nice Uh, give him a plug yeah yeah definitely so um unfortunately this was prior to tyron woodley versus demian maya so you got you got to take that into account because with how boring that title okay. fight was, GSP is not going to fight uh, Tyron Woodley at this point. Now it's back on uh, him versus G versus um
0: Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping.
1: Yeah. So uh, I will not talk a little bit about that later. But uh, okay, so at the time this is again pre um, GSP fighting Bisping. This was with the assumption that Bisping uh didn't have a contender that uh gsp was gonna fight the winner of the welterweight title bout so uh, i'm looking at the top guys in the rankings and here was my theories behind uh why some of these guys shouldn't have been picked to fight bisping so first up we have robert whittaker who as everybody knows is the interim champion yeah unfortunately in winning the interim belt he got injured against um what's his name yoa romero so he had the knee injury. We don't know how long he's going to be out for. So that knocks him off the list. Uh, Y'all Romero was is ranked number two at the moment. I'm looking at the UFC rankings right now. And like I said, he just lost to Whitaker. So it wouldn't make sense to have given him a title shot uh, right away anyway. Then we have Luke Rockhold at number three. And Luke Rockhold's a good fighter. I would definitely put him in the title contention picture. But he just
0: got knocked out by Michael Bisping. Yeah, like uh, five years ago. It feels like it's been forever since Rockhold's been in there, um, it, and he's he's fighting David Branch, which uh, you know is no easy task. I, I don't understand why he took that fight personally because David Branch is a dangerous guy, and he's on like what an eleven-fight win streak, and he doesn't have the name recognition. So if Rockhold comes out and smokes him, to the casual fan, he just smoked a nobody which does nothing for him. So I understand there's like a big bottleneck in this division right now, which kind of – but weird choice by Luke Rockhold. I mean, he was calling out Fabrizio Verdum before that. Like, I don't know what he's – he's dating like teenage pop stars and shit. Like, I don't know what he's doing with his life. (laughs) He needs needs some counseling, I think. But go on. Continue (laughs) with your theory, please. All
1: right. Then at number four, we have Jakari Swoza. Now, Jakari just lost to interim champion Robert Whitaker in his Mm -hmm. last fight. So I don't know if that would have made much sense as a title fight. Then we have Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva just, you know, he's been on a little bit of a skid lately. I know he's getting older, but he just lost uh, to Bisping a few fights ago. Uh, Didn't look overly impressive against Derek Brunson. So you couldn't really justify giving him a title shot. So the only contender left was Chris Weidman. Uh, I mean, he looked great against uh, Kelvin Gastelum in his last fight. And I just thought that out of all these guys, he was probably the best choice at the moment. But again, now we have GSP, so that theory goes out the window. But... Um, You know, going back to what you were saying about David Branch versus Luke Rockhold, I agree, dude. I think that's a bad matchup for Luke Rockhold. David Branch is good. You know, he's pretty well-rounded. And uh, like uh, I've said before on the show, I I was following him before he made it into the UFC uh, Mm -hmm. the second time uh, because he did fight in the UFC prior. But uh, he was in the World Series of Fighting, and he was the light heavyweight champion and the middleweight champion at the same time. So, you know that doesn't just happen, you know, the dude's talented. So I don't know if it was very smart for Rockwell to take that fight.
0: Yeah, especially because it's like a lose-lose situation because even if if he comes out and smokes this guy, the average fan says like, all right, well, who the fuck was that guy? And if he loses to him, that sends him so far down the ladder because most people don't realize how talented David Branch is. So for Rockwell to come in, you know it doesn't really do anything for him if he wins and if he loses at, so I think it's like high risk low reward situation but you know I'm not his manager uh, I don't I'm just a guy who drinks a lot of whiskey and watches fights so yeah that division is kind of a clusterfuck right now and especially with uh you know one of the top contenders Gigar Musasi leaving to go to Bellator um you know that kind of like In a lot of people's opinion, the best middleweight isn't wearing the title right now, you know, he's a guy who got called last minute to fight Luke uh, Luke Rockhold, uh, knocked him out, and then defended the title against, you know, should-be-retired Dan Henderson, who only came out of retirement because he got an immediate title shot. and, and Henderson put a fucking beating all over Bisping's face <laughs> in that fight. Uh, you know, Bisping won the decision, but uh, he didn't look like it at the end of it. So, yeah, middleweight division is really a mess. GSP is not helping anything. I um, I recently watched the new Kickboxer movie. It's the, the okay. sequel. So the, the original Kickboxer with Jean-Claude Van Damme, of course. There's a new one on Netflix. Now, if you like these old, like, corny martial arts movies i suggest checking this out i put it on like thinking i was going to turn it off 20 minutes in and i wound up watching the whole thing so gsp <laughs> is in it and and uh kane velasquez and F- Fabricio verdum are in it as well and of course jean-claude van damme plays like the instructor and it's like the old corny martial arts movie plot where like his brother gets killed in a Muay Thai tournament and he has to avenge his death and he trains for three weeks <laughs> and uh <laughs> all of a sudden he's able to gut out, you know, I won't ruin the ending for you, but he's able to, you know, make a gutsy performance against uh the the main bad guys played by Batista, the former WWE. Wrestler, he plays like the Muay Thai champion. The guy's totally not built like a Muay Thai fighter at all, because he's built like a brick shit house. Uh, <laughs> but um, GSP plays like the drunk henchman <laughs> of. <laughs> of uh, Batista. He's like the gatekeeper guy, and uh, him and Jean Claude Van Damme have like a pretty cool fight scene in the movie. But it's like worth a watch, like if you it just for the nostalgia of the kickbox, the original kickboxer movie, and like that cheesy martial arts movie plot like it's worth a look on, on Netflix if you got nothing better to do so I enjoy GSP and that um, I would be more excited about watching that movie again than I would be about watching GSP get back into the cage <laughs> like just because it's been he's been blue balling us for so long he's been teasing his comeback for like 14 years like uh, I'm over it it's like it's like that ex-girlfriend who keeps texting and wants to come over, and like finally you're like, uh, you know what, I moved on. I'd rather just you know take care of myself. But <laughs> I don't know, Jeff. What are your thoughts about GSP coming back? Am I alone on this, or or is you think there's like a genuine interest in seeing him fight again? Dude, um, uh, see, it's it's a little bit hard for me to
1: say because uh, um, I actually really enjoyed GSP in. Um, captain america winter soldier (laughs) dude in one of the opening scenes the captain america fights him and and it's like awesome the way they do it but um see i i've been on in the twitter sphere and in the twitter sphere i found that gsp signed you know his contract to fight michael bisping at ufc 217 at madison square garden bill i live like an Howard from Madison Square Garden if I take the train. So I'm going to try yep. and buy tickets to this. So I want this to happen, Bill. Yeah. I need for this to happen. So I can see <laughs> that I have seen GSP fight once in my life. But at the same time, yeah. I'm a little over it. I'm like, dude, like I'm not going to be convinced that he's coming back until I see him walking
0: out at the Garden. And so he- I'm a little bit. Even yeah. then he might go up walk up the steps to the cage and then be like, sorry everybody, I have to go. I am <laughs> not fighting Michael being <laughs> Good night. <laughs> and then he'll just leave. Like I <laughs> I w- <laughs> I wouldn't be sure it's happening until like somebody throws the first punch. I'm like that skeptical of this comeback. And and that's why like I don't really have any interest in it. So, I know you wanted to talk about that uh 217 card. It looks like they're really stacking it up with some heat. So, uh you want to kind of dive into the fights that have been announced so far for that card because it looks like a fucking blockbuster.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, for those of you who may not know, this is the UFC's second time having an event at the Garden. The first one uh was everybody remembers UFC 205 Conor McGregor, unite, uh, wins his, what was it? Featherweight? No, lightweight, a uh, lightweight bill. Yeah. So it was the lightweight bill against Eddie Alvarez, um, you know, that was a huge milestone, I think for the UFC and now we're back. So I'm super excited. Um, you know, I went to school in, well, I went to college in Jersey city, so Uh, it's a train ride to get to Madison Square Garden for me. I love going to the Garden. I've been there a few times for some pro wrestling shows. I think I've been there for a comedy show once or twice. And, you know, it's just awesome. I love the atmosphere. Like, just walking up to the Garden is amazing. And, you know, for the UFC to be doing an event there, for me, it's like a childhood dream come true. But anyway, um, enough of that. So first we have GSP versus Bisping as the main event. I'm praying to God that it happens. Let's see, it's (laughs) August, this is taking place in November, so there's still a lot of of things could happen, dude. Canada could blow up tomorrow.
0: Yeah, let's not forget that Bisping's fighting a lot of injuries too. So, you know, you got two shaky bridges you got to walk across to get to this one, um, so to speak, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, um, yeah, so I, I don't know.
1: I don't I don't wanna like put all my eggs in one basket, but I do really want this to happen. And mm-hmm. just announced a few weeks ago, we're gonna get the the fight that the hardcore fans have been begging for, Bill. It's gonna be Cody, no love, Garbrandt versus TJ Killershaw. Um mm-hmm. dude, I think I think everybody's been super excited about this. Um, I know that we have been watching the last season of Tough. I know we were super disappointed to hear that unfortunately no love couldn't make it, but now it's rescheduled. I have a chance to see it live. So I, I'm like a little kid right now. like I'm so excited. Uh, yeah you know, this has been yeah, this has been in the making for a while now. Everybody knows TJ left team Alpha male. No Love won the uh, Bantamweight championship. From Dominic Cruz, like, like I feel like there's somebody out there writing this. Like, this is too good to be true.
0: Um, yeah. So maybe it is. I mean, this is another one that's standing on shaky legs too, because we were promised this fight once before, and you know, Cody Garbrandt had some back issues. So once you have back issues, um, you know, if he gets in there training too hard, uh, the back is something that once it goes out, there's always a risk of it going out again. So. I hate to be like Captain Misery here because I'm in a very chipper mood. Um, <laughs> with all my recent company leaving and I've got my bourbon and my black model beer, uh, <laughs> I'm feeling great right now. But uh, I am a little bit uh, you know, skeptical on this one. The, the skeptical hippo as uh, <laughs> Brendan Schaub puts it. Uh, <laughs> skeptical hippo eyes super super skeptical so uh what, what else we got going on in this card let's uh let's see what we all, what else we have lined up that that might be a sure thing here yeah
1: so out of the other fights that have been announced there were two more that stuck
0: out to me so the first
1: one is corey anderson versus patrick cummins mm-hmm. at light heavyweight So to me that looks really interesting. I think it's a good style matchup. Corey Anderson, he's an okay wrestler, got really good striking. And Patrick Cummins, he's got the mustache that gives him power. I mean, (laughs) he's a tough dude, really good wrestler. So we'll see where that one goes. And then the other one that stuck out to me was Curtis Blades. I don't know too much about him, but he's gonna be going up against Alexey Olenek, who is a really tough customer. Uh, He's got a couple wins in the UFC already, so he's someone to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Corey Anderson, for me, every time I think of him now, I'm I'm thinking of uh, Cormier after he beat Rumble Johnson, and Jimmy Manoa was in the audience, and Cormier was like, "You beat Corey Anderson." I mean, Cormier is not known as a as a shit talker, but. He shit on Corey Anderson's entire existence with that line, and that that really that really stuck out to me. Like he just <laughs> he just fucking brutalized that guy. Like anything he's ever accomplished, he's like, "You beat Corey Anderson." <laughs> so I, I found that funny, but that that is a great matchup with uh, uh, Patrick Cummings, and then we got uh, Johnny Hendricks is on there for some reason. Um, I don't know. That guy must have nine lives, <laughs> and and all of those lives are overweight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. oh man, that was funny. <laughs> or maybe eight of them. Like his first, <laughs> his first life as a as a collegiate wrestler, he was able to make weight. But um, yeah, uh, interesting card. It's gonna be fun. Uh, there are some other rumored fights. That that are going on that car that'll be some fun too. So, um, you know, it'll be cool and it'll be awesome if you get to go and uh, report live here on MMA on the Rocks as well as uh, your new journalism gig for MMA Sucker. So that'd be a good opportunity for you. So the other thing I know you wanted to bring up was uh, Francis Ngannou and Ganu um, and the the kind of uh, news that are that's been bouncing around with him. So you want to you wanna bring that up?
1: Yeah, so uh, UFC 215, it's going to be – I forget the exact date. It's going to be September 9th, Saturday, September 9th. And, you know, Bill, I'm super disappointed because overall this card is a little lackluster for me. It's a little underwhelming. But one of the fights that I was really looking forward to was Francis Ngannou versus Junior Dos Santos and unfortunately, mm-hmm. JDS had to pull out of the fight, um, but I'm excited for the replacement that they found for him. Bill, why don't you tell them about it?
0: Yeah, so rumor has it Fabrizio is going to fill in, and uh, damn, this is an exciting fight. It's definitely a huge step up in competition for Francis Ngannou, but man, the guy's been demolishing people in this heavyweight division. Uh, A lot of people are labeling him as the next heavyweight champion, which, you know, isn't too far of a stretch, I don't think, Uh, especially in an aging UFC heavyweight division that we have now. Um, And, you know, but at the same time, people were kind of touting Travis Brown in the same way. So as long as Francis Ngannou doesn't start training with uh, Edmund Tarvidian... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think he, uh, he he might have a better chance of fulfilling this prophecy than Travis Brown. So what are your thoughts on this fight, and how do you see it going, Jeff? Because Verdoom's getting up there.
1: Yeah, dude, this fight looks awesome. Francis Ngannou has dynamite in his hands. He hits super hard. But Fabrizio Verdun, you know, he was the heavyweight champion for a reason. He's good all around. He... Looked, he made he made Cain Velasquez look like a chump on the feet. Um, the first time they fought each other, um, I'm hoping for a rematch. We'll see if that happens uh, sometime in the future. But you know, Verdum, you can't sleep on him. He's good all around. Uh, he's pretty well rounded, so I think he can give Engano
0: a run for his money here. Yeah, I, I think that a motivated Fabricio Verdum, when he comes in shape is one of the greatest heavyweights of all time. Uh, And it's hard to argue that, because the only time he's lost big fights, I feel like, is when he has underestimated guys and came in out of shape. Uh, Like, the first time he fought Junior Dos Santos, he came in, like, looking super soggy and thinking he was just gonna demolish this guy. And (laughs) I see you almost spit out your water there. I know you're muted, so people wouldn't hear it if you did. (laughs) But anyway, so Verdum, Verdum, I mean, first guy to ever uh, beat Fedor since, you know, Fedor was Fedor. Um, you know, before that, Fedor had only lost uh, via TKO by a cut. So he was considered, like, undefeated before Verdum came out of nowhere and uh, and submitted him, which was... Amazing. So uh, a motivated Fabrizio Verdoom. But what I would worry about if is if he thinks like, oh, this young kid, you know, kind of the same way he thought about Junior Dos Santos, because Junior Dos Santos was a, oh wait, was it Junior Dos Santos or uh, am I am I confusing him with uh No, it was Junior Dos Santos that that Verdoom lost to before he got cut from the UFC, right? Oh, you're. Mm, I didn't really follow over at the time, so you can't. Uh, yeah, you can't I, let's say it was. it was. Um, yeah. So he lost. He lost to him, but um, hopefully he doesn't come in with that attitude of like, oh, this young kid, he's not bringing anything to the table. There's too much hype behind him. But if Verdum comes in uh, motivated and in shape, it's it's kind of like the BJ Penn effect. Like when BJ came in and had a six pack. Like, he was going to whip somebody's ass, but when BJ came in and, you know, he was looking all soggy-bellied, um, you know, it, it was the same thing. Like, you you really wouldn't expect much. Uh, although, BJ Penn looked in pretty good shape in his last fight, but he's also old as fuck now. So, there's that. Um, but, while we're on the topic of this heavyweight division, uh, recently lost somebody who we haven't talked about in a while because he's been suspended by USADA, but... Uh, He was released from his UFC contract, and he signed with Bellator, and that's uh, former two-time, I believe, heavyweight champion Frank Mir. So Frank Mir goes over to Bellator. Uh, Roy Nelson recently had gone over there. So their heavyweight title is kind of vacant right now, and they're talking about doing, like, a tournament. You know, they got Bobby Lashley over there. They got, you know, they've got some pretty big-name heavyweights, Going on over there, so a tournament might be something interesting. But what do you think about Frank Mir's departure from the UFC, and uh, what do you think about his future in Bellator? Oh, and of course, they have Matt Mitrione over there, who just knocked out Fedor in a really epic fight. So, uh, what do you think about the landscape of their heavyweight division? What do you think about Frank Mir leaving, Jeff?
1: Oh man, dude, I'm a big fan of Frank Mir, just because he he has some of the best jiu-jitsu. Well, before uh, Verdun returned. I thought he was one of the best jiu-jitsu guys in the heavyweight division. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of submission finishes. He might be he might have the most submission finishes in heavyweight history. Don't quote me on that. I'm not too sure about the stats. But uh, I'm a big fan of his and unfortunately I feel like he, you know, he he's passed his prime a little bit and it's not through any fault of his own. Uh, he had a really bad motorcycle accident a few years back. And ever since then, he hasn't he hasn't looked like the same guy at the UFC. Uh, he's getting up there in years. Um, you know, he's improved his striking a little bit, but there's only so much you can improve at this point. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, you know, I'm excited to see him at Bellator now because it's a new challenge. And like you said, that their heavyweight division is still a little bit young. Yeah. Um. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see him there.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, Mir had a, a lot of bright spots after that motorcycle accident. I mean, he beat Noguera twice. Uh. He submitted Brock Lesnar, um, who went on to become the UFC champion. Um. And uh, submitted Nogueira. Actually, I think he's got probably some of the most aggressive jiu-jitsu in the history of the sport in any division uh you know up there with Jacques jacaray's jiu-jitsu is very aggressive um but you know mir's broken guy's arms twice inside the octagon and that's fucking savage <laughs> and uh i think it's interesting uh there's a lot of interesting matchups for him over there you know with roy nelson matt Mitrione, bobby lashley and uh you know, whatever he was on that got him suspended, he'll be able to continue using that <laughs> in Bellator because, as we know, uh, Bellator's a little more relaxed about their anti-doping <laughs> policies, uh, you know, with guys like Bobby Lashley roaming around <laughs> over there, uh, you know, I don't think they're having him piss in a cup every five seconds, So, you know, that's just a hunch, but again, you know, what do I know? Um, so, another big announcement uh, that was made by Dana White recently is that uh, Kevin Lee and Tony Ferguson are going to fight for the lightweight interim title. Uh, obviously, Conor McGregor is going to be tied up for a while. Uh, Tony Ferguson was supposed to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov for that title, but Khabib couldn't make weight. A lot of people were upset about this. I understand a lot of people are big fans of Khabib, and for good reason, You know, statistically speaking... He's ranked as the number one contender uh, on a lot of people's charts. But I can't really justify putting this guy in another interim title fight when he tried to make weight for the last interim title fight and his liver failed and he had to be taken to the emergency room. This is not just a guy who like couldn't make weight and he was like over the limit. Like His liver shut off because he was cutting too much weight. And he's missed weight before. He's almost died trying to make weight before. I think the guy should not be considered a lightweight, and I think a lot of athletic commissions might agree. California, for example, probably would not sanction him to fight in the lightweight division. Uh, Vegas might not uh, as well, but definitely not California. They didn't let uh, Barrow fight at bantamweight, which is why he had to have a catchweight fight with Aljamain Sterling at the last UFC pay per view, um, so uh, I I understand why people are upset that Khabib's not getting the recognition he deserves as the number one contender, and Khabib is rightfully upset. But at the same time, like the guy's just not a lightweight anymore. Like he's he's too big. Like you gotta you gotta move up, or they gotta add like a one sixty five pound division, something like that. So what are your thoughts on Khabib, Jeff? are, are you kind of on the same page with me? with him not being lightweight and what are your thoughts on the announcement of Kevin lee versus tony ferguson for the interim title
1: yeah i agree with you bill because you know khabib the history speaks for itself man at this point there's very little that someone could probably say to me where i'd be like sure give khabib a shot at 155. i just i don't think you can convince me anymore at this point point. and don't get me wrong the dude's an awesome fighter um He's one of the scariest guys at 155, but he can't fight at 155. I mean, like you said, his liver failed him. Like, once your body starts telling you that you can't do it, you just you can't, unfortunately. Um, you know, liver's important. It's one of those organs. Like, you know, it, it can regenerate. So, like, if you cut it in half and donate it to somebody, you'll be fine. But once it shuts down completely, I think there's a problem. Uh, so... Moving to the Kevin Lee versus Tony Ferguson, dude, I'm amped for that one. Um, I think I didn't, I knew they were gonna fight each other, I was unaware that it was for an interim belt, but dude, it looks like an awesome matchup. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Tony Ferguson's got the long arms, he's good all over the place, and Kevin Lee, you know, he's he's coming up, he just beat Michael Chiesa, um, which you know, there was some debate about, but. You know, he, overall, he's he's fun to watch. He's exciting. So I think this is a really, really good matchup for the lightweight division.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think this is a really exciting fight, and I can actually get amped for it because I know both of these guys are going to show up. And that's kind of the X factor lately, um, not just in this division but in general. I mean, we were talking about it earlier with the middleweight division. You just got so much bullshit going on with guys pulling out of fights and guys wanting money fights and – whatever other nonsense uh, is going on, uh, you can bet that Kevin Lee and Tony Ferguson are going to show up on fight night ready to fight. And those are the kind of guys I want to see fight. Um, you know, Khabib is one of the scariest guys, not just at 155, but in the UFC, I think he's one of the scariest guys. Just a ridiculous grappling ability, but I, I think the guy's just not a lightweight anymore. And I think somebody needs to sit him down and... You know, maybe he could put on a little weight, but I honestly think he would be fine at 170. I think he would be very competitive there. I mean, we've seen a lot of guys move up to that weight. Rafael Sanjos for one, who could be manhandled, uh, is doing the same jump up in weight. Uh, you know, Cowboy Cerrone moved up. So, uh, you know, Nate Diaz did well at 170 when he had to. Uh, so I think you know 170 would be fine for it could be. Maybe we're going to see some weight divisions added. I know there's been rumors and some new weight classes have been approved by a certain athletic commissions. So maybe the UFC will adopt those. But yeah, this is going to be an awesome fight because you know it's two guys that are going to show up uh, ready to scrap. So I'm excited about that fight announcement, and uh, I think I'll get more excited as it gets closer. But the uh, event that's closest to us, Jeff. Uh, like I said, has been the elephant in the room on this show because uh, I only spent one episode talking about it. I didn't want to, uh, you know, beat a dead horse or run this thing into the ground because I know you guys have been hearing so much about it everywhere else. You know, TMZ's talking about it, ESPN, that awful Skip Bayless show. Um, You know, I've been seeing all the clips. I've been following along. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm excited for this fight. I'm going to watch it. And, of course, I'm talking about Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. Uh, next Saturday night, August 26th. I'm actually going to be in Chicago next week. Uh, I got to go up there for work to do some things. So if anybody has any recommendations of where I can go uh, watch this fight, I'm sure everywhere is going to be insane. I don't want to order it like in a hotel. So I want to go out to a bar, check it out, be around some people and kind of uh, soak in the vibes because this is a cultural phenomenon. It really is. You know, so many people are into this, and uh, I'm sure you as well as myself have been getting uh, so many questions from people who are not normally into MMA or boxing about this fight because it's just that much of a spectacle that's been put together. It's really, you know, the stars really had to align for this one. It might be a a once-in-a-lifetime event. It might be a once-ever event, you know, despite what you think about it. But again, if anybody has any recommendations for the Chicago area, uh, please reach out to me on social media at MA on the Rocks. So Jeff, Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match with eight-ounce gloves, as we found out last week. I'm a little bit intoxicated. <laughs> uh, you haven't really given an opinion on this. Let's just jump into this one and... Uh, you know, for those of you who are sick of hearing about this, I apologize. If you want to hear more of my take on it, go back to episode 54, and uh, y- you can hear a little bit more about it. Uh, I decided to segregate the episodes to, you know, give everybody a break from it. But let's do this thing, Jeff. I'm, I'm about three bourbons and two beers in. So uh, <laughs> what did, what's your take on this fight, and and uh, what do you expect from it? And are you shelling out the 100 bucks to watch this thing? You know, Bill, I'm not going to lie – I was really considering ordering it.
1: Um, I probably will. I think, um, you know, a friend invited me to a barbecue, but my dad really wants to watch it, so I figured, you know, I'll stay home and just have some people over. We can each put in, like, 10 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. or <clears throat> Because um, I agree, man. Uh, like, I don't really care for boxing, unfortunately, outside of, like, a couple of matches every now and then. Uh, I am a fan of Canelo Alvarez, as I've said before. Um, but you know, like you said, this is a once in a lifetime thing. This might be a once ever thing. Like this is probably the biggest fight in combat sports history. And I know a lot of people say that, but I think it is, man. I think you have the top guy in boxing and then the top guy in another combat sport, mm-hmm. you know, and this is what mixed martial arts is about, dude. This is what, um, the Gracie's did the volley Tudo fights for. Uh, which translates into everything goes, you know, to to demonstrate other martial arts against each other. And I think that this is the epitome of, you know, can a martial artist who who has, you know, focused on everything, hone it in into one skill, and, you know, is he a master of just that one skill? Um, You know, when you consider that he's had to dedicate time to other skills. So I yeah. think that that is super interesting uh but with that said i don't think mcgregor has an actual chance here
0: yeah yeah uh, i mean we, <laughs> I, I don't want to cut you off but we we all know how this thing is supposed to play out um but there is that what if you know i obviously he's unorthodox and there's all these different x factors he's the biggest believer of himself uh anywhere before i go on i, I want to let you uh finish your thought there so we know how this thing's supposed to play out, but go on, please.
1: Yeah, but like you said, dude, there's that one sh- chance. I mean, he could land. I mean, we've seen that left hand. I mean, that left hand almost killed Joe Sealdo. So <laughs> it's not like it's not like McGregor can't box. I mean, clearly he can strike. Um, I mean, that's one of his best weapons are his hands. That's how he's won most of his fights. Um, so you know we have that, and it's it's so hard to to really rule him out completely because, like you said, he has that one shot. I mean, if he can land that one, you know, left hand, I mean, that thing is a pile driver, dude. So it's it's like that is kind of the reason I want to order it. Uh, I think that is ridiculous that pay per view is charging a hundred dollars. Um, because you know, my gut is telling me that McGregor Mayweather is going to pull it out at the end. I mean, he's been boxing his entire life.
0: Um, Yeah. But to be fair, you know, the Mayweather Pacquiao pay-per-view is also a hundred dollars and it was the same sort of thing. Everybody's gut said that Mayweather was going to win the fight against, you know, pretty much a washed up Manny Pacquiao, um, who, you know, that fight had been way overhyped and, uh, was It it took place, like, five years later than it should have. Um, But it was the same sort of thing. Everybody – and it was the highest-selling pay-per-view of all time because people thought Pacquiao had a chance of, you know, landing that big shot on Mayweather. Um, And, you know, truthfully, that's the reason why a lot of people watch Floyd Mayweather fights is to watch him lose. And he knows that, and he enjoys that because he's getting that – he's getting their money in his pocket. And uh, if this is indeed his last fight, which – you know, who knows, because the guy's going to be broke in the next five to eight years, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> he's not very smart with his money or paying his taxes. Um, and, and he blows he blows through so much of it that, um, you know, he may have to do something in the future. But if this is his last fight and he knows he's getting everybody's money, like, what does he care? You know, if he gets knocked out, he could just say, like, oh, you know. I'm almost 41 years old and I've been doing this my whole life and I've been taking so much damage and this and that. Um, so I think it's a huge win for both of these guys. Uh, I'm really glad to see an MMA fighter make this kind of payday for sure uh, because I think it'll really resonate in the MMA community and it'll start to reflect how much these guys are worth uh, because... You know, you and I have both known professional fighters and trained with professional fighters, personally, and we see how hard they work and the hours they put in and what they put their bodies through. They're definitely worth more money than what they're getting paid. So all the credit in the world for to Conor McGregor for going out and coming from nothing, coming from, you know, collecting welfare checks in Ireland uh, to making a multi-million dollar pay, payday uh, here in the United States, uh, as you know, one of the highest-paid combat sports athletes of all time, definitely the highest mixed martial arts uh, fighter of all time by like tenfold. Um, it, it's awesome. It's awesome for the sport. It's. I, I feel like it's giving boxing a little jolt too, because you're seeing a lot of boxing uh, enthusiasts come out of the woodwork to speak up about this, and they're getting some attention. Uh, we're seeing like uh, Paulie Malinaji get a little bit of a boost, you know, former boxing world champion, who came to spar with Conor McGregor, sloppy and out of shape as fuck, and got slapped around a little bit. Maybe he only got slapped around for 15 seconds, and those are the and that's the clip we saw on the internet. Maybe not, but uh, I think he should have known better going into that situation because he knows he's going into a media spectacle. I think Paulie's just really like an honest, you know, uh, stand-up guy who thought like, yeah, we talked some shit to each other, me and Connor, but I'm going to help him out with this training camp, so we're just going to spar and it's going to be legit. It's like, no, you were brought in there to look like an asshole. Uh, <laughs> and I'll tell you what, uh, did you see the clip, Jeff, of Paulie Malinaji getting knocked down or pushed down? And, yeah. and uh, you know, kind of the the reaction to that, how Paulie said, like, it was a push down. Did you see all that?
1: Yeah, I did. And, I mean, it did look like a little bit of a push. Um, but at the same time, it looked like Connor also landed a couple of good shots on him. I mean, I don't know. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't care that much. I mean, I like, I don't want to see Conor McGregor fight Paulie. I want to see him fight Mayweather. I want it to be Saturday already.
0: yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's a marketable fight. I know they're trying to sell that fight, like, down the road. Like, maybe they could fight each other, but I don't, I don't really think it's that marketable either. I think people who are really kind of in the boxing world or really in the MMA world might want to see that. I think the problem is, so the debate was, uh, you know, this clip of, like, a 15 seconds of a sparring session showed McGregor knocking down Pauly Malinaji and Paulie said that was a push down. And everybody from the MMA world and the kickboxing world came out and said it was a knockdown. And everybody from the boxing world, and now I'm generalizing, of course. Everybody from the boxing world came out and said this is a pushdown. I think the reason and the explanation for this is if you're in the MMA world, like me, I come from a wrestling background. Nobody's going to take me with one hand and push me to the ground. Because I'm a fucking grown man. And (laughs) and i know how to stand on two feet you're not gonna if you're the same size as me you're not gonna take one hand on the back of my head and push me to the ground unless you've rocked me or wobbled me first and i think that's the difference so on a boxing scorecard it may not count as a knockdown but to an mma fighter or someone with an mma background like your ass got knocked down It doesn't matter how you got there. (laughs) Like, I did something to you and you fell down. (laughs) Like, I don't know what a, I don't exactly know what a push down is. Like, even boxers that I train with, they're not, they're not trying to push anybody to the ground with one hand, but by their head. Like, I, this thought has never even crossed my mind. Like, I saw him get hit a couple of times and then he hit the floor, you know? I, and then, you know, after they slow it down, I could see McGregor's hand kind of like, helping him to the floor but the bottom line is you showed up sloppy and out of shape to a sparring session you had no business being in in the first place and once some video <laughs> got released of it you got embarrassed. Now this is the uh, you know passionate MMA analyst side of me speaking of course. Uh, I don't have much of a boxing background and I don't really have too much empathy for Paulie Malignaggi and what he went through. I don't really think I've ever even seen one of his fights but Yeah, uh, not looking good. I mean, you know, you're walking into a media media circus, and the the guy. You know, when you walk in the room, only Conor McGregor's photographers are there. So yeah, you might have slapped the guy around for the rest of the (laughs) 35 minutes and change. uh, But you know, more people are going to see that 15 second clip of you getting knocked down or pushed down uh, than you know any interviews he's doing. Uh, saying anything contrary to the fact, so a little bit of a rant there, fueled by bourbon, uh, redemption bourbon. <laughs> please, please be a sponsor uh, if you're interested. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> any any reaction to anything? I just kind of broke down there, Jeff. Uh, not too technical, just kind of you know one guy's opinion.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree with a lot of what you said. Um... <clears throat> You know, like, if we're if we're in, you know, a wrestling match or a jiu-jitsu fight or a boxing match, like, I'm not just going to let you push me to the ground or or anything like that. And I'm, on the contrary, I'm not going to try to push you to the ground. I'm going to try to get you there forcibly, forcefully. And, you know, it just – I don't know. I don't understand that. I also don't understand, like – I don't know. I don't understand boxing. I don't find it interesting, like <laughs> – it's just uh, like even growing up, like my dad was a big boxing fan and, and he was always into Oscar De La Hoya. And we'd always, every Saturday night when there was a fight on, we'd go to one of his friend's houses and we'd watch it there. And I would just like play Pokemon or something because I just didn't care. Yeah. And then, you know, once I started watching UFC, I was like, holy shit, you know, this is awesome. Uh, so, you know, I can't really speak from a boxing perspective I also didn't know who Paulie was until Conor McGregor like
0: me. <laughs> yeah so I'll
1: be honest though like I, I really don't care like I'm sick and tired of hearing about it I just want to see if McGregor has a shot against Mayweather honestly
0: yeah I think that's what a lot of people want to see you know even boxing fans uh, like I said a, a big reason they tune in is is to see Mayweather lose like He's a, he's a shitbag of a human being. Uh, I think five counts of domestic violence, which uh, during the whole press tour, McGregor was not allowed to bring up because that was part of their contract. I think uh, that's something that's not widely talked about. So he was able to shit on him for not being able to read and nice. and, and some other dirtbag things he's done. But uh, this is a guy who has put his hands on women five separate times uh, and, and is basically, you know, He's a piece of shit, which is why people want to see him lose. But he just doesn't because he's so good at this one thing that he does. Um, and I think he's really confident. Uh, of course, he's been going and saying, you know, he tries to build up Connor and say, like, oh, he's bigger and stronger and faster. Like, on paper, he should beat me. Um, for those who don't follow boxing, this is something Floyd Mayweather has always done. He has always praised his opponent and always kind of built them up to sell the fight and he loves everybody who hates him because they're paying to see him lose and they're still putting money in his pocket so he doesn't care about that um so that's kind of long and the short of it that's uh you know two mma guys perspective but god damn i can't get over it like getting pushed down by your head by a a grown man (laughs) like I don't care how off balance you are like sometimes you slip like if you if you want to say you slip like that but you're gonna say it's a push down and another and another man who's your size push you down by your head with one hand like what are you doing (laughs) with your life (laughs) I don't I don't I don't this is just comical to me like but, you know, then again, you know, boxing, you know, you distribute your weight differently. So, uh, you know, I, I grew up wrestling where you, you learn to lower your center of gravity. And, you know, you the objective is to stay on your feet. And um, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I just don't know, Jeff. So <laughs> we might as well, unless you have uh, any other kind of culminating thoughts over, you know, the last couple of weeks we haven't been talking or Any other interesting drinks you've had lately? You know, we could kind of wind this thing down here.
1: Yeah, um, I did want to point out a local beer that I had when I was in Florida because I was at Fort Myers, Mm -hmm. and I had a beer called High Five. It was pretty good. I I got a little citrus taste from it, and the hoppiness was awesome. So definitely Mm -hmm.
0: recommend that, Bill. You might be able to get your hands on it a little easier than I can up here. Is High Five the brand, or is that – The kind of beer it was like is that the brewery i want to say it was the brewery high five not sure check it out yeah i'll look into it so this podcast has been brought to you by redemption bourbon and uh modelo negra not because they're sponsors just because um you know that's what i was drinking to make me go on that little rant at the end there Grown man getting pushed down by, with one hand. Like, I, can't, I can't nobody's talking about that. Like <laughs> like bro, why'd you let him push you down with one hand to the floor? <laughs> you're a <you're> world champion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, push down or knockdown. down, uh, I think Paulie, you know, got the shit end of that sparring deal, no matter how much they paid him. Uh, so if you want to get a hold of Jeff, he's on Twitter at Animal underscore Wilson. So he always loves uh, talking about MMA and getting some good drink re- recommendations. I do as well. You guys know you can reach me at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. MMAontherocks.com will now lead you to the Facebook page, which uh, has everything you need on it. Basically took everything from the .com site and moved it over to Facebook because a lot more people were getting a hold of me that way anyway if you really want to send me an email it's mma on the rocks at gmail.com so that's how you get a hold of us let us know what you're thinking and drinking uh stay over the top and under the influence thanks for tuning in cheers everybody goodbye